0: Countdown for box. x minus five, four, three, two. X-1, fire. I don't wanna grow up, do I wanna grow up? I don't wanna grow up, do I-
1: wanna...
2: Welcome to the Toys R Us report, recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He's a winner, not a beginner. His pockets get fat, others get thinner. Your host, Icy Robots.
0: Greetings, Earth people! I am from Jupiter, it's me again, Icy Robots, I'm not a hero, I just sacrifice to make your life a bit better each and every week. And this week, it's gonna get a bunch better because we got, oh man, we got a fun show ahead of us. We got, uh, two movie reviews, we don't got Iceberg, which is too bad, dude's getting some, uh, scheduled maintenance, which is weird, you know, because he always seems to schedule these things on the same day that we're gonna record the show, but, uh, what are you gonna do, you know, we gotta just keep striving... Keep striving to stay alive. You got to keep reaching for the stars. We're going to touch them all. All right, my dudes. Let's uh Let's get started. This
2: is the Toys R Us report and we'll make you famous. Taking over the earth while still kicking in Uranus. sing, sing right like
0: I know that I talk about my dreams a lot on the show, and I don't mean to because I really hate it when people come to you and they're just like, let me tell you about this dream I had because it's always boring, it's always stupid and long, and it doesn't make any sense from your perspective, so I feel bad for doing it to you, but, uh, I'm gonna do it again. So, the other night I'm sleeping and... I'm having this dream. I have these two Batman animated plates. The plates aren't animated, they're from the Batman animated show. The uh, the awesome one, you know, with Kevin Conroy and those guys, It's just, you know, you know the one I'm talking about. I have, I have two plates that I eat breakfast off of just about every day. Uh, most days I'll have an Eggo waffle and I don't know man, these plates are perfect. They're not full-size plates. They're not tea plates, you know, those kind of uh, the cups on. They're a bit bigger. They're great for things like waffles or sausage, just breakfast foods, maybe a sandwich. I use them every day. So anyhow, I'm having a dream that the old lady is washing the dish when she drops it and it shatters. The first one shatters. The one that I don't like as much, it has Batman and Robin chasing the penguin. I do like it, but it's my second favorite one. It's weird that they shattered because they're plastic, but she dropped it. And it just blew into bits. And then she's like, oh wow, I'm so sorry. And she picks it up, you know, she throws it away. And I'm upset, but what are you going to do? And then she's in the sink again, washing the second dish. Which is the one I like. It has Batman himself just right on the front. It's beautiful. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. And she's giving it the scrub down. And she drops it. And it it just shatters into bits. And in my dream, I'm, I'm looking at it and... I screamed out. I went, Ah! Just, you know, in shock. But what the shocking part was is that in real life, I also went, Ah! I straight up screamed. I woke up like it was a nightmare screaming. Ah! Dr. Jones jumped straight in the air. The old lady was like, Oh my God, what happened? 2.0 came out of her room like, What's going on? What's going on? Because... I screamed loud. I don't know what the deal was. I do enjoy these plates, but uh, I don't think I would scream in terror if they were broken. I would be sad, but I'd probably go on eBay and see if I could find a couple more. I can't imagine that they are super expensive, but um, is that weird? Have you ever done that? Have you ever woken up uh from a dream or whatever? just screaming out because I may have done this once or maybe before once. I don't know. It doesn't, I don't want to say that I've never done it because it's possible that I have woken up and done it, but I've never done it over anything as uh, a small time as this, you know, hit me up on Twitter. It's at IC robots, I S E E robots. And let me know if you've ever woken up screaming in terror and don't give me, you know, all the freaky details. I don't want to hear the story of how you got mugged and were really scared and then you still have nightmares about it and sometimes you wake up screaming, try to keep it light, try to keep it friendly and maybe if we get some cool ones, uh, we'll share it on the show so, with that embarrassing confession out of the way, let's move forward into the next portion, which we call At The Movies
2: In a moment, At The Movies without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper But you got icy robots, so that's something, right? She knows who I am and she wants me to leave. Nonsense, my dear. You're not going anywhere. You had a bad dream. You were sleepwalking. No. I'm afraid I shall go mad if I stay.
0: My darling, you're imagining things.
1: Tomorrow, why don't we go out uh, to the post office? I think some fresh air would do you good.
2: No. I have to leave. I have to get away from here. Edith, this is your home now. You have nowhere else to go.
0: Crimson Peak is the latest from super genius director Guillermo del Toro. That's such a hard name to say. Guillermo del Toro. I think I got it down. So this is his latest and it's a uh, it's a horror movie. It's gothic. And it stars, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, and what's her name? Mia Wachowski? Watchowski? I'm not sure about that one either. That's a hard name to say too. But, uh, she's a lovely young lady and she is, she's essentially the lead. She's the one whose shoes we would place ourselves in if we were watching it from that perspective. Uh, the story is basically that she's wealthy and she's getting swindled by these, uh, Two folks uh, from a different region of England where they are heavy. Well, they're from England. The Wachowski family is from America. So they are getting swindled by these two Brits who have this scheme to convert the clay that they have on their property into bricks. Uh, They have some kind of a machine. Anyway, there are ghosts, and there are... There's all sorts of intrigue and twists and turns, and, well, while I uh, knew that I would see this movie because I'm going to see anything Del Toro puts out, I was not super excited about it because I'm just not into that whole Victorian Gothic era kind of deal. I don't know. It's not my thing, but it is my wife's thing. And she was like, we're going to go see this immediately. So we saw it as soon as it opened. And I got to say, man, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. It, I, I thought that it would be good. I never thought that it wouldn't be good, but I did not think that it might be my cup of tea. But it turns out... It was both. It was great. And one of the things that made it super great was just an awesome performance by Tom Hiddleston. The dude who was, uh, Loki in the Avengers. I'm starting to get to the point where it seems as if Tom Hiddleston can do no wrong. He is, he's a popular one here at the house. 2.0 likes him and she likes him to the point where her room in the station is just, uh, She has maybe four or five different Tom Hiddleston as Loki posters up. When we go to cons, you know how uh, sometimes they have the uh, bootleg poster booth. She has bought just about every Tom Hiddleston poster they got over at the bootleg booth. So I hear about him. I see him all the time. And I got to say, man, dude is living up to the hype. You can believe the hype when it comes to Tom Hiddleston. He's the real deal. He carries this movie. And I'm not going to take anything away from Jessica Chastain because she kills it, too. She puts in a great performance as his crazy sister. Uh, the movie has some twists. It has some turns. It's 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 really great. If you haven't seen it by now, go see it. It has that great Del Toro uh, visual style. The ghosts are looking great. The uh, sets are great. The costumes are great. Just, you know... A super fun kind of, kind of afternoon movie. So for me, we're going to start rating on the source scale to where uh, we go up to five mics. Five mics is an all-time classic. I'm going to give this one a solid three and a half mics, man. No complaints at all. Let's move into the other movie we saw this week. Uh, I got a clip from the studio. It's on a tape I got around here. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. So unprofessional of me just not to have these things. Hold on. Hmm. That's weird. They sent it in a paper sleeve. Okay. Screener tape, don't distribute. Let me pop that in. Okay, here we go. Bridge of spies. How did we do in
1: there? Uh not too good. Apparently you're not an American citizen. That's true. And according to your boss, you're not a Soviet citizen either. Well, the boss isn't always right. But he's always the boss. Do you never worry? Would it
0: help? Bridge of Spies is the latest from Steven Spielberg. It stars uh, Tom Hanks, and it is the story of a... Soviet spy captured in the 1960s, who is then put on trial, and the government forces, well, they don't force, but they do, they do coerce an insurance lawyer played by Tom Hanks to, to defend him in court. Uh, what happens is, you know, the spy is reviled for being Russian, and then Tom Hanks also becomes hated because... He's the dude who is, uh, trying to get him off on these charges. But, um, the story is about how Tom Hanks is a dude who is doing what is the right thing. Because, uh, whether he's a spy or not, you know, he's in America and he deserves a trial. So Tom Hanks is doing his best to defend him. But then, then there is more conflict. A, uh, American spy gets captured in Russia. And the government tries to, uh, tries to use Tom Hanks again. But this time they try to use him as, uh... Well, they use him as the mediator of a trade between the two countries for the spies. This is, this is your typical, excellent Steven Spielberg movie. There's nothing wrong with this movie at all. It's entertaining. It has a story. It has great acting. It's just, you know, it's good all around. I think that when Oscar time comes about, they might be talking about Bridge of Spies... They might be talking about Tom Hanks, they might be talking about the dude who played the Russian spy. He was, uh, also good, but I don't know his name. The movie had, it had it all. It had some humor, it has some intrigue, some excitement. It's excellent, uh, it's just like every other Steven Spielberg movie that comes out there. It's great. I've noticed this. Steven Spielberg has a theme that he likes to go back to again, and, uh, That theme is we are all the same where like in this movie, you learn, you know, you get to, you get to, uh, well, you get to know the Russian dude and you discover that in reality we're all the same, just like an ET in the alien lands. And, you know, he just wants to go home. He's just like us. We are all the same. It's, it's a good theme, you know, it promotes unity or whatever. And in reality, it's probably true. We are all the same. I wonder if, I wonder if this is something that he thinks about Spielberg. I wonder if he sits around going, how can I use movies to bring people together how can i show everybody that we are all the same and and this one you know he does a good job of it this is an excellent film on the source meter i'm going to give it four mics not an all-time classic but it is it's a super top-notch film you're going to want to see this one so with all said and done let's move into the main event segment of the show where we talk about my trip to the sacramento comic-con Touch it down, I'll kill ya. Scarecrow and Mrs. King will not be seen tonight, but will return next week at this time.
2: The Sacramento Comic Con 2015.
0: The Sacramento Comic Con is one of my favorite shows of the year. It has a lot going for it. Uh, first and foremost, it's cheap. It's only 10 bucks to get in, whereas a lot of shows are up to 30, 35, 40 bucks. 10 bucks, awesome. Because we got the family. 2.0 always brings a guest. So you know, want to keep the prices down because the more money I save, the more I get to spend. And it's just, you know, it's a nice show. It's not too big. It's not too small, there's maybe two, three hundred vendors, they get some fun guests, it's a nice, nice family atmosphere, it's not too crowded, you don't really have to push your way through, it's just, you know, it's a good, fun show, and this year... This year they had some fun guests that I was looking forward to. They had uh, Jim Starlin, comic great Jim Starlin, the dude who created Thanos and also uh, the whole Infinity Gauntlet and anything in Marvel based around Infinity, dude invented. So we went to see him and then there was also Don Bluth, the dude who was behind Dragon Slayer and Space Ace and all that other dope stuff. But... Most importantly, the dude that got me out of bed in the morning and into the car and off to Sacramento, which is about two and a half hours away, the man, the legend, Don Fry was going to be there. I've never seen Don Fry at a show, and uh, if you don't know, Don Fry is a MMA fighter. He was an absolute legend of the early UFCs. Dude was out there knocking dudes out with punches. When people just were not doing that sort of thing. He was like a one-punch knockout dude with boxing skills and also wrestling. And one of the dopest mustaches of all the times. He is just... There is no word for Don Fry except for legend. His status is untouched. He is an untarnished legend of the highest caliber. Don Fry is just... He's the dude. And let me get this out of the way. I... I need to tell you about how I met Don Fry. We're walking through the show, and I turn around, and there he was. He was standing right next to me, and I had nothing to say except for, oh my gosh. I'm not exaggerating. Don Fry, his face was maybe 12 inches from mine. He was walking around the show, looking for stuff. He was out in the hallway where I was moving from one room to the next, and just... There he was. I'm standing face to face with Don Fry. And I was I was a bit gobsmacked. I didn't know what to say. Uh fortunately the old lady was there right next to me because she um She's she's the friendly sort. She's pretty good in situations like this. And even though she is a giant Don Fry fan, she really snapped to it. And she goes, "Man, Mr. Fry, that is an awesome belt buckle. He had a giant rodeo belt buckle." She said, "Mr. Fry, that buckle is beautiful." And he goes, "Oh, you like that?" He has a voice. It's something like this. He goes, "Oh, you like that?" And then he starts telling her the story of how he tried rodeo for a while, but it, he he didn't take to it, and. One of his friends was nice enough to give him one of his old buckles because, you know, Don Don's like, well, he knew, he knew I was never going to win one on my own, so he gave me his. And it was just awesome. We're standing right there, and Don Fry is telling us stories. It was just, I can't even believe it. And uh, later, I went over to his table to talk to him for a bit. Again, uh, I got a drop, which you heard earlier. Don Fry was nice enough to... Um, to record that from us. The dude was just, he was really, really nice. He talked to us. He was just, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to stand there and, you know, he's trying to sell autographs and he's trying to sell stuff. And he doesn't have to stand there and chit-chat with you about whatever. Because I have seen people who are selling autographs and they're not friendly. Don Fry was friendly. I get the feeling that you could have stood there all day Asked him story questions and he would have filled you in on all the details. It was just fantastic. I uh I am honored to have met him. There are very few people in my life that I will go, it was an honor to meet you. And I said it to him. I said, Mr. Fry, it was an honor to meet you. I appreciate the time that you've spent with us. You were just, you know, you're a great guy. And man, right now I'm, oh, I'm getting lightheaded just thinking about it. I'm getting lightheaded with uh being so starstruck. I'm going to take a quick break and go get a... uh. Get a sip of water while I'm gone. uh, We also went to the Jim Starlin panel, and uh, I got a recording. I got a couple recordings that I'm going to play during the show. This is the first one. This will give us a chance to get a break. What it is was somebody asked Mr. Starlin how he got the inspiration for Thanos. So let me pop that in. I got it on an audio cassette. Let me pop that in. I'm going to get a sip of water really quick in the meantime. So here we go.
1: Way back there. Uh, what was your uh, inspiration for Thanos? Uh, a psychology class back in uh, college after I got out of the service. Uh, it's a Freudian term, the dark and light side, the Eros and Thanos uh, of uh, your personality. Um, Bad guys are always much more interesting than good guys, and so Eros didn't become a really popular character, Thanos did. Uh, never really had a handle on Eros myself. Uh, later on, I think they turned him into a sexual predator that the She-Hulk had to defend in court. Yeah.
0: This was a really fun panel. Jim Starlin is a storyteller. Dude, uh, dude can spin a yarn. He was taking questions from the audience the whole time. And every time, you know, he gave, he gave answers that were way more than adequate. He wanted people to understand. It was a really good time. Let's see what some of the, uh, what were some of... The highlights. One thing I remember was... Somebody asked him if Marvel has ever come correct financially... With uh, the dudes who created the great characters. And he said... This is what he said. When you worked for Marvel back in the day... They had something on your contract... That said when you sign the check for your payment... You are signing over the rights for whatever work you have done. So he knew that... He knew that Marvel owned Thanos outright, but when they switched over to Disney, the Disney lawyers kind of questioned the legality of those contracts and to avoid any kind of future trouble, they went back, talked to dudes, and made deals with them for the characters that they created. It makes sense. It's a smart thing to do. It's sensible. Avoid some future problems like the, uh, like with the families of Siegel and Schuster's, the folks who invented, uh, Superman. You know, how they, they weren't given credit for years, it made the company look bad, and just, you know, avoid the whole thing. Take care of it, come correct. And he said that he can't talk about any of, any of the specifics, but he said that he has been very, very well compensated for Thanos and all this other stuff, and that he is, he is very happy. So, Good for him. I was really happy about that. Really happy to see the dude's not getting ripped off. You want to think that the people who have invented these characters like Thanos and Adam Warlock and all this fun stuff, you want to think that they are compensated correctly for the joy that they bring. Let's see what else did he say. Somebody asked him if uh, Marvel's been in contact and offered him any input on the movies. He said they haven't, he, uh, he said that writing a script for a movie and writing for comics are totally different, and he understands how they don't really want his involvement, even though he does have some experience with screenwriting, but he's just like, they're doing fine without good old Jim Starlin, so why would they call him, and if they didn't need to? He said that he is kind of on the outs with DC, and that, uh, As a creator, they send you packets of books regularly. And he's noticed that his regular package of DC books has stopped arriving. So he thinks that they are even more on the outs than he thought. Uh, I wonder at what point, you know, they have a list of all these people who they send things to. At what point do they go, let's knock Jim Starlin off the list. Uh, he hasn't worked for us in a while. Let's just, you know, let's, let's knock him off. Uh... I don't know. That's weird. He's a legend. Dude, I keep saying legend, but for some of these people, there's just no other way to describe them. They have created things that have had, you know, this impact on on your life, you know, on your entertainment life. That it just, there's no other way to describe them except that they are legendary. I'm sorry. I wish there was another word, but there's not. There's not one in my vocabulary. Anyway, what we're going to do right now is I got another recording. This one's a bit longer. It's about four minutes Somebody asked Jim Starlin about his DC work, specifically about how he, uh, masterminded the death of Robin Tim Drake, and he goes into it in depth, it's about four minutes, uh, if you want to skip ahead, you know, it's about four minutes long, but I do think it's worth it, just to hear his insight on just what he thought about Robin overall as a character. During his time as the writer of Batman, okay, so here we go. Let me pop that in. All righty.
1: I always thought that fighting crime with a teenage sidekick was sort of tantamount to child abuse, especially if you color, you dress him up in nice bright color, colorful costumes, and send him out there while you're hiding in the shadows in the darkness, you know, covering up your bat symbol. You know, it's, it's about the equivalent of going, shoot the kid, shoot the kid. And you know, so, uh, when I started writing Batman, I ignored Robin, I pretended he didn't exist. And uh, Benny Mio, who was the editor, kept saying, you gotta put Robin in front of these stories. And so I did where to kill somebody, and I never really thought it would be a good character to have around. And at one point, DC was thinking about doing a book about AIDS. And they put a little uh, box up in the office where people were supposed to drop in suggestions about which character in the DC universe was gonna get AIDS. And I loaded it up with rocks. They they unfortunately, I recognized my handwriting and threw all those out. Uh, What they ended up doing was they Jimmy Olsen lost the contest, and uh, they were all set to have Jimmy Olsen get AIDS, and then somebody pointed out that the actor who was playing Jimmy Olsen and uh, Christopher Reeves, uh, he was actually gay in real life, and so that, that event then got abandoned. But I kept lobbying to the Kill Off Robin. It seemed like such a good idea, I couldn't stop. And finally, uh, the editor, Denny O'Neill, he got this idea about doing the call-in, because these 800 numbers when he called in was, was a way for D.C. to make some money. You know? And uh, so he said, uh, you know, he came to me and said, let's kill off Robin, you know, alternate endings. Um I always expected, I know what you people are like, you're a bunch of little ghouls. I always figured he was going to die, you know. I was very surprised that uh, the count was as close as it was. There was only like 72 votes uh, different. And this was up like out of 10,000, so percentage wise it was, you know, negotiable. Uh, but the, the book comes out, the series comes out, and um, before they had to the vote, Danny O'Neill shows up on all these talk shows in the morning. And, you know, it's, his job is to be an editor and to promote it. And, uh, but, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting at the time that neither J- me or Jim Apparel ever got mentioned on any of these talk shows. People were actually doing it. And it was, I came up with this idea, I came up, and, you know, I said, okay, it's Danny, that's the way it is. The book comes out, they kill off Robin, and all of a sudden the licensing department at the DC catches on to what we're doing. And they've got all these pajamas and lunch boxes and thermoses with Robin's picture on it. So they get the roof. Suddenly, the whole idea is Jim's. I worked right up about six months after that. I did their best-selling book that year, but six months from after that, I couldn't have got a job up there if I had, you know, my life depended on it. So it was kind of an interesting story there. But let's see, what was your original question on ramen? Um, did I did I want to kill him off from the start? I think probably it was. I think probably
0: I did answer your question. If I didn't yell you know, at me, in. Oh, I thought of another thing he said that was interesting. He had like a real distaste for Robin, which I do understand. Uh, he said that DC had an idea where they wanted to have a character come down with AIDS. Uh, AIDS was a hot topic at the time as it still is. And I guess they wanted to they wanted to be hip. They wanted to have They wanted to have somebody in the DC Universe come down with this deadly virus. And the dude they picked was Jimmy Olsen. But Jim Starlin said that for the longest time, he fought really hard for it to be Robin. He said, I want Robin. He was from the street. He's a street kid. Perfect thing to do. Have him die of AIDS. But they were certain that Jimmy Olsen was, was the better option. But as it turned out, the actor who played... Jimmy Olsen in the Superman movies was in fact a homosexual and they didn't want to, I don't know, they didn't want to risk. They didn't want to make it seem like they were making, uh, this guy die of AIDS. They didn't want to offend anybody. So instead, they just dropped the whole thing and he had to find out another way to kill Robin. Weird. Overall though, the show was super fun. One thing I was bummed out, we did miss Don Bluth's, uh panel it was early in the morning it was after we got there you'd have to practically live in sacramento because i think it was like 10 o'clock you'd have to be like right there or leave the house uh from our point at about seven i'm just you know i'm not down for that i would like to have heard some space a stories i know that there are dudes out there who would just oh man they would do handstands to be able to be in the same room with don bluth and i feel bad for missing it but i did I did, uh, Mr. Bluth was signing autographs for free, which was nice, too, but I didn't have anything for him to sign, and weirdly enough, he didn't have anything with him. I expected he would have some, like, Dirk the Daring 8x10s you could purchase, but he didn't have anything of that sort. He did have some really nice, uh, movie-style posters of Space Ace and also, uh, Dragon's Lair, but he wanted 50 bucks for him, and I'm just, I don't know. A bit more than I wanted to spend because I'm n I am I I love arcades and I love video games, but that's not not my favoritist thing like it is some other dudes. I'm more into toys and comics. It's just me man. I don't know. Uh I don't game as much as some other people, but he was there. He was signing autographs and he was also giving sketches. You could get I think it was a headshot, uh for thirty and he would draw your whole body for fifty. Again, awesome, but just not something that I'm into. But um Oh, Jim Starlin was also signing free autographs, so I waited in line. He had a really nice Thanos poster that they were giving away, and I got one signed. I got a chance to, uh, chit-chat one-on-one with him, and he, he was really nice. I don't think I had anything in specific to ask him because i just gone through the panel. I just, you know, said, hey, man, nice to meet you, blah, 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 and he was, he was friendly. Real friendly guy, uh... Jim Starlin, class act, Don Fry, class act. I'm going to say Don Bluth, you seemed like a class act as well, but I cannot verify it. So uh, that's pretty much it from the show. We're going to come back in one second with the Toys R Us report, and I'll give you a brief rundown of what I purchased in the vendor room. All right, take it away.
2: Please drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. Your weekly toy shop update. The Toys R Us report.
0: All right, we are back for the final segment of the show. This is me, Icy Robots. Uh, before we get into the Toys R Us report, let's talk about becoming a show patron. This is something, this is something we could really use. And for a you know as little as a buck a month, that's like nothing. For as little as a buck a month, you can make big differences here on the station, and there are a lot of fun things you can get too. So hop on over to supportthereport.com and take a peek. You know. I think that we make it worth your while. We make it worth your while with the weekly, and we do come out every single week. This is a weekly situation. We provide you with some fun entertainment. You can have it for as little as a buck a month. You can have it for free, but uh, you know buck uh will always help out. but just hop on over there because we make it worth your while. We give you some fun stuff. You can get a copy of the super tape, the super VHS tape. It's dope. it's great. You want to have it, it can be yours. Consider becoming a patron, supportthereport.com. So with all that out of the way, let's move forward. The show was fun. It was one of those deals where I got there and I like, I don't know, I didn't feel like spending. Does that happen to you? You get there, you have a bit of money set aside for something like this, but I just, I didn't feel, uh, I didn't feel the love. It was hot. I didn't mention that. It was a hot day in Sacramento and there was no air conditioning in the building, so My few laps around the vendor room were kind of, I don't know, just underwhelming because I was just hot and I was a bit grumpy. But I did get a couple things that I really enjoyed. One of them was an AJ Foyt Tonka truck, well it's a van, a van that tows a race car. I had this when I was a kid and it's always been on the periphery of my memory. I knew I had a van and I knew I had a car, but I could never really grab the details. But I was walking around the vendor room, and I saw it sitting there. It had the van, the trailer, and the AJ Foyt race car, all red, and also the driver. I was able to pick it up for 15 bucks, which I was really, really happy about. I did not know what to expect. But uh, 15 bucks is like the, the negotiated price. You would think dude goes 20 And you go, how about 15? And he goes, okay. So maybe 10 was the real price. And he was just, you know, trying for 15, but it was worth it for me for 15. So I bought it. I also, um, I got a muscle man, you know, the the small pink muscle man. I got my favorite one from my youth. It is uh, I believe his name is Terry Boy. He's small. He is a mortal, he is a human like us, wearing wrestling trunks with stars on him. He was my favorite. I enjoyed him because he was just, you know, he was just a man. A man with a man's courage fighting monsters in the muscle ring. So I got Terry Boy back. Got him for 50 cents. So I'm I'm pretty pleased. I can see him on my shelf right now. Good old Terry Boy. I haven't set up the Tonka truck yet. I'm going to have to uh, open up some shelf space to do so. But um, I'm going to do it any day now. So... I think that's it. I think we're done. I think that's about it for the show. I let you know everything that you need to know for the week. So, um, this is me, robots, signing off with the rest of the crew here up on the Jupiter Station. This is the Toys R Us Report, episode number 55. If you don't know, now you know. Recorded live on Jupiter's Moon, Callisto, this has been an IC Robots Radio production.